Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us today. Pastor Rander has challenged us with a life-changing question. How will we live in a new year? The fact that we are able to hear today's message tells us that God has extended His grace to us in a new year, an opportunity to live for Him on earth and ultimately with Him eternally in heaven. Will we do what we've always done? Or will we commit ourselves to consistently seek God, hear God, trust God, and obey God? The Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Without Him, we can do nothing. With Him, nothing shall be impossible. We must be totally committed to Him, just as He is totally committed to us. He's given us another chance. What will we do with it? Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. We want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. When you find it, say amen. That was kind of weak. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. The scripture says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'll read it again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and all God's children said, amen. And from this passage, we want to preach, allowing God to do extraordinary things through us. Allowing God to do extraordinary things through you. Okay, we can just say us, but we can also say what? You are through me. Say me. me. So repeat it after me. Allowing God... To do extraordinary things through me. That's even better. If we're genuinely honest with ourselves, we have all settled for less than God's best for us in 2013. We have good intentions, we mean well, and we really want to do better. But the reality is we have fallen short of God's expectations for us. How many of you have succeeded, excelled, exceeded your expectations, uh, done everything that God has told you to do, and, and uh, you have done your absolute best for God, and there's no more you could have done in 2013. I don't see any hands going up. That's including me. All of us have fallen short, haven't we? We have good intentions. We mean well and really want to do better, but the reality is we have fallen short of God's expectations for us did we did not reach our desired spiritual goals last year? We failed to get to the next level in Christ and perhaps even lost focus. Instead of pressing on toward the finish line, so many Christians have allowed problems and disappointments. So many Christians have allowed crises and distractions, pleasure and self-centeredness to cause them to drop out of the Christian race. The God who lives in you desires to do tremendous and unusual things with you and through you. 
to the glory of God. And yet, instead of soaring to your God-given potential, many saints remained at ground level, falling far short of God's plans for their lives. My friends, life is so short. We just buried a 34-year-old young lady who had pneumonia and coded in hospital and just died. I was at the funeral yesterday, 34 you know, we, we buried another sister, member of the church, last Thursday, uh, who was about 60 years old. So the older and the younger, they are dying. And, and, and you all, we are dying. Life is short. And we really don't have much time left. Soon and very soon, we'll all be gone. And when we depart and stand before God, will you hear the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We need to make some spiritual adjustments in our lives in order to give our best in this brand new year and to hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. This great prayer of Paul closes with a doxology, which is a prayer of praise, adoration, and adoration to the glory of God. Paul prays for qualities that will bring the Ephesian church into spiritual maturity such as being strengthened in the inner man. Paul prays that the church, the Ephesian church, be strengthened in the inner man, uh, that they will understand the spiritual wealth that they have in Christ, to understand their spiritual adoption, redemption, forgiveness, inheritance, and grace. And Paul closes his prayer by praying that the Ephesian church would be spiritually awakened to their vast, unlimited potentials that they have in Christ. Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church is also my prayer for Maranatha. It is my prayer, Maranatha, that we would be awakened to our spiritual opportunities that we have in Christ, our vast unlimited potential in Christ. It is my prayer that you would be all that you could be, including myself, this brand new year. It is my prayer, Maranatha, that we would grow up. It is my prayer that we would understand our spiritual wealth in Christ. It is my prayer that we all live up to God's expectation and potential for us. But if that's going to happen, what keeps us from allowing God to do extraordinary things with us and through us? What keeps us from allowing God Uh, from doing extraordinary things with us and through us. Number one, uh, many fail to focus on the power, the word is power, and potential of God within us. Many fail to focus on the power and potential of God within us. If you look at the first word in the text, the first word in verse 20 is what? What's the first word? Now. Say it again. Now. That's the first word In the text. Now, this means at this very moment, the Lord is able, which means he has superior abilities. God is perfectly capable and is infinitely powerful. And therefore, we are most negligent when we fail to rely exclusively on the resources that we have in Christ because he alone is able to do over and above, super abundantly. And extraordinarily more than we could ever imagine or comprehend. 
that's, that's awesome. God is able to do infinitely more, extraordinarily more than we can ever ask, think, or comprehend. Many fail to focus on the power. We have great potential in Christ, and yet we fall so short of that potential. Number two, what keeps us from, from allowing God to do extraordinary things through us? A small mindset. The word is mindset. So many saints, their perspective of God is so small and so limited and so restricted that they cannot uh, do big things for God. Our God is a big God, but yet we put him in a box. We pray small. Many times, so many Christians act small. They think small. They say, they say, we can't, we can't, we can't. A small mindset is what hinders your life spiritually and it also keeps the church from getting to the next level. You know why so many churches peak out so soon and don't get to the next level? Because you have so many people in leadership, so many people in positions, and so many people coming with influence that have a small mindset. And what they do is contaminate other folk with their small mindset. And so they, they are so restrictive. They restrict God. And God wants to do far more than what they're thinking. Galatians 18, 14a says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Luke 1, 37 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. In other words, if you focus on Christ, and if you allow Christ to rule and reign in your life, and if you keep your eyes steadfast on Jesus with God, nothing is impossible. Whether it's relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's finances, whether it's job situations, or whatever that is. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what? All things. All things through Christ who strengthens me. So a small mindset is what keeps so many saints from from, from being all that God would have them to be. Number three, why do saints not allow uh, Christ to be maximized through them? Why can't we get to the next level? Why can't God do extraordinary things through us? It's because of a spirit of selfishness. Selfishness. After we are saved, the first order of business is for God to begin to strip us of our selfish desires. Strip us of our selfish motives and strip us of our selfish ambition. The first goal that God has for you is to see you come to Christ and get saved. Then once you say, I am saved, I'm sanctified, I'm in Christ positionally, the next objective for, for Christ on you is to be stripped of yourself. Philippians 2 3 and 4 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. It's not about you. It's, it's, not, it's about God. It's about God. It's about, Lord, what do you want? Lord, where will you have me to go? Lord, what do you want me to be? Lord, what would you have me to do? It's not what I, it's not me. It's not myself. It's not I. It's about the Lord. 
And the Lord will propel you to greatness when you focus more on him and less of yourself and that you have the, the spirit in your heart that says, I must decrease and he must what? Increase. Number four, uh, why do we limit ourselves? Why do we not see ourselves doing extraordinary things for God? Many saints are so enveloped, which means engulfed and consumed. So the two words are enveloped and consumed with the things of this world and the pleasures in it that they are not even cognizant of their unlimited possibilities in the spiritual realm. So, so you can be so obsessed, so take carried away with yourselves, so enveloped, so, in, so consumed with the pleasures of this world, with the things of this world, that you don't find yourselves being all you could be for Christ. First John chapter two, verses 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is what? You scared to say the world is what? The world is passing away. The clothes we have on, the glasses we have on. Uh, the shoes we have on, the home we have, the great, everything is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Beloved, you'll not achieve greatness in the kingdom of God when you love and lust after the world and the things in it which are temporal and passing away. What are you holding on to so tightly? You can't keep it. You know, we, we just did a funeral yesterday. And uh, I was in the graveyard, and I saw the, the casket go all the way down. And as I saw the casket go down, and that just gradually down in that ground, just lowered down in that ground. I didn't see a car in there. I didn't see jewelry in there. I didn't see a mink coat in there. I didn't see a house in there. I didn't see any of that stuff. Whatever your favorite item is. I didn't see it in there. All I saw was the person saying, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. We're going back to dust, but our soul and our spirit goes to be with the Lord if we know him. And if we don't know him, your soul will go to hell, which will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire. Hold on to those things that are eternal. Hold on to those things that will last beyond these mundane shores. Number five, why can't we do extraordinary things? Because of the inability to implement, apply, and activate the word of God in our lives, which has the ability to unleash supernatural power to do astonishing things. My friends, this book is the greatest book on earth. There's nothing like this book. This is a supernatural book. The word of God is supernatural. And when we read the word of God, implement the word of God, apply the word of God, activate the word of God in our lives, this book, the words in this book have the power uh, to, for us to do extraordinary things. 
beyond what we could ever ask or think. The word of God is powerful. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. This, this, the word of God will make you a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God. It will take you to new levels in him. You cannot get to the next level in your walk with the Lord apart from the word of God. Acts 4.31 says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness. God will give us boldness. God will give us that boldness, that dynamite that that will help us to speak boldly, to to be courageous, to stand for truth, and not to be so wimpy to the glory of God. Why don't you say amen? amen? Number six. Why can't we do extraordinary things? Because many saints exalt human reasoning, human wisdom, information, opinions, rationalization, and what the media says, and political correctness over divine revelation. The word is divine revelation. The power is inherently in the word of God. It is not in human reasoning. It is not in public opinion. It is not, we're assaulted with all kinds of information. Living in the media and governing yourselves by CNN and Fox News, CNBC and all the other alphabets, there's no divine revelation in that. The divine revelation is the word of God. First Corinthians 2, 4 and 5 says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in, in demonstration of the spirit and of God, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. Of 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? Power. It's in power, not in the word, but in power. Number seven, why can't we get to that next level? What hinders saints? From being all they can be in Christ? What keeps a Christ from doing extraordinary things through you? Is because many saints have the power available to them, but it is, the word is dormant and not being used because of ignorance, because of apathy, because of complacency, and being spiritual babies. Being spiritual babies. You'll be surprised how, how much ignorance is in the Lord's church. People don't study. People don't read the word of God. They hear the word, but not doers of the word. They're apathetic. They're complacent. And many have been in church for many years. They got the years, but they don't have the spirituality. It's one thing to be in church 40 years. It's another thing to have spiritual maturity with the 40 years. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need meat and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The ability to discriminate between good and evil. 
My friends, one doesn't wake up one day and suddenly become spiritually mature. Oh, you just wake up uh, tomorrow. Whoa, I'm mature. Doesn't work like that. You must make up your mind and make a decision to start growing today. If you don't want to grow, you won't grow. You have to you have to be decisive about your spiritual growth. So how do we grow? The means by which we grow are, number one, through the word of God. Without the word of God, there is no spiritual growth. Number two, living in the spirit of prayer. You all, the world is so dangerous. Our children are in a dangerous world. How many of y'all remember those good old days? How many of y'all remember the days when you could sit on the front porch and eat watermelon and cantaloupe? And share, you know, those days where you can share sugar and flour and uh, you can almost shake hands with your neighbor from your house, your neighbor's house, because the houses were just that close. Shotgun houses and so forth. Uh, God has brought us a, a mighty long ways. We might have had outhouses, but we had fellowship. Amen. We didn't have all this security stuff. And, you, you know, the most security they had in the, in the good old days was just a latch that with a, with a nail, you know, boom, boom, and I'm going to lock my house up for the night. They just turned that little latch, and they snored and thought nothing of it. Now today you got bulldogs, rock wallers, security system, instant this and that, and, and still scared. Still scared. You know, I feel sorry for our children and our children's children. You know why? They are going to grow up in a very different world. You know what? I wish we can go back to those days when we had standards and we had morals. When the whole, the, the, the activities of life were centered around the church. And people loved going to church. And that, that, that was a Christ conscientiousness about people. But now we live in a day where, well, people who, who say they're Christians, they, they'll just... The, uh, drank a Coors, cut their yard, take their car to wash tub, watch the game, and could care less about church and say they're Christian. Something is wrong with that. Something is re- inherently wrong with that. The, the, the standards are being changed as we speak. It is, it, the world is degenerating, and that's why we have to invest in our kids. That's why you have to bring your children to the Lord's house. That's why you have to impart truth to your children and catechize them around your feet at home because the church cannot do it all. You have to be the priest in the house and train your children up the way they should go. And you got, listen, you better be praying on your children, with your children, laying hands on your children, laying hand on husbands, husbands laying hands on wives, wives laying hand on husbands, I mean, uh, laying hand on your sibling. Listen, talking about God, God, give people God, give people Jesus. Talk Jesus, talk to your children. Don't just be acting foolish and just playing a lot of games. This life is not a game. Every opportunity you have, let them hear about Jesus as you're praying for them. Uh, number three, uh, it, the means by which we grow is having a where it's teachable spirit. Teachable spirit. And a whole lot of people come to church and don't change because they're not teachable. They're not teachable. You know, they're mad. They're upset. Uh, they're, they, they, they're stubborn. Some of it just goes to stubbornness. Stubbornness. They just want to have it their way. Number four, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate and enlighten our minds to the truth of God's word. 
allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate and enlighten our minds to the truth of God's word. The word of God opens our minds. You know what it does? It opens our minds. The word of God enables us to illuminate, to enlighten. It means that the word of God enables us to comprehend the truth. To compre- That's why when you open this book, you got to pray, Lord, give me understanding. Give me wisdom. Open up my mind to the word of God. You just can't approach this book and think you have it. It doesn't work like that. You have to read this book slowly, meditatively, in the spirit of God. So allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate and enlighten our minds to the truth of God's word. The word of God opens our minds, enables us to comprehend the truth, and instructs us uh, in the things of God. It, it, it instructs us in the things of almighty God. Number five, how do we grow? By the word is assembling with other believers to learn sound doctrine. This is a good way to start off the new year is by assembling yourselves with the people of God to worship God on the Lord's day in spirit and in truth. It is spiritually healthy to come into the Lord's house on the Lord's day with your wife, your husband, your children and your grandchildren. And let me tell you something. If you can't do that now, what are you going to do when persecution set in? You know, you, you, what are you going to do when persecution set in? The, the, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. You don't just um, be whimsical about church attendance. That is a serious thing before God. The Word of God admonishes us to wait patiently on Him, and He will give us the desires of our hearts. We must pray, meditate, commune, and wait on God. We must fight against the I, me, and my right now syndrome that perpetuates today's society. God and God alone is the answer to everything. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and so much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.